This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, Matt Straup here welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It is the end of August, believe it or not. There are less than two months to go. There is. There are less than two months to go until the start of the 2019-20 regular season. Today we're going to look at 10 players who seem to me at least to be either under the radar or a bit undervalued as the season gets closer. Steve Alexander is with me to do this. Steve, there's no other place where we're going to lead off than the city that begins with an A in the alphabet and the city that is nearest and dearest to our heart. It came up first on the Roto World depth chart when I was looking around for this topic. The Atlanta Hawks, we begin with Kevin Herter. Uh, the Hawks drafted DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, of course, with the fourth and 10th overall picks. Those two are going to play quite a bit. But in the midst of all that excitement, Herter is still very much in their plans. Absolutely, in my mind, at least a second year breakout candidate. Here are the numbers, Steve, and then I'll let you jump in and comment your thoughts on Herter. From December 31st onward, 41 games, basically half a season. Herter averaged 11.6 points, 3.4 rebounds, 3.3 assists, 1.0 steals, and 2.1 threes. That's not all that thrilling unless you take into account that Herter just turned 21 years old. Uh, it's easy for me to envision him making a run at something closer to 15 points per game with nice all-around numbers, a bunch of threes. What are your thoughts on all of this with Herter? Well, if my city near and dear to our hearts means that I try to never go there, uh, that is Atlanta. <laughs> Um, but no, Kevin Herter, did you see him on, uh, the Atlanta Braves telecast the other night sitting with Trey Young? I sure did. Man, I, sure he, did. I mean, I saw Trey and I was like, oh, look, it's Trey. And I was like, who's this little kid sitting with him? It, totally. It's Herter. Uh, he looks, he looks like, you know, he looks like one of my kids. Um, yeah, he looked, I was joking to my friend, like he looks like the camp counselor. Like he's just like, <laughs> yeah, he he looks like he's about 15. Like he had his socks pulled up high and some short red shorts on um, and a whistle around his neck. No, he I mean, I tell you what, Herter was pretty good last year and there's not a lot of competition for him at shooting guard. I mean, Evan Turner, Turner could mess with his minutes a little bit. DeAndre Bembry, I guess, is, is still hanging around, but. Should be all systems go for Herter, and I think you can get him late, and I think he's going to hit more than two two threes a game this year and shoot it well and, and just not do anything really bad, poorly, you know? Yeah, and I mean, Hunter and Reddish are going to play a lot, but I think that's the plan for Herter as well. And uh, number two player on our list, we're going to keep it in Atlanta for just a moment because that's what we do, Steve. Uh, the name I'm going to throw at you is Alex Len. Um, his current competition at center is Bruno Fernando, who I think is actually pretty intriguing and could take off at some point, and former warrior Damian Jones. So at the start of the season, at least, I think Len has a clear path to plenty of minutes. And from March 1st onward last year, he averaged 15.6 points, 5.9 rebounds, 0.9 blocks, and yes, 2.1 threes in 19 games. And to me, I just think he's generally a guy that a lot of fantasy owners don't really believe in, and that is to our advantage in fantasy drafts. Steve, uh, do you buy any or all of this when it comes to Len, at least for the first part of the season? 
I have a feeling Lynn's going to be one of those guys that's on a lot of my teams. I think once the, you know, seventh round comes around, eighth round, if he's sitting there and I, I need a center, I'm going to take him. Uh, I like his three point shooting. I like the fact that his competition are two guys that most people have never heard of Bruno Fernando and Damian Jones. Like, yeah, Fernando is, uh, intriguing. He could be, could be pretty okay. But then Dwayne Dedman last year was pretty good and Lynn still was able to flourish with him around. I think now that, now that Dedman's gone, I, I see Lynn as a pretty viable sleeper candidate. Yeah, that's a good call that uh, Len put up. I mean, that, that Deadman put up numbers as a starting center and Len, you know, managed to get some numbers as well with him there. That's a good point. Um, as you're going to see as we go through this list of 10 names, this is a wide ranging list of guys who are under the radar and there are varying degrees of under the radar. That brings us to Terry Rogier in Charlotte. The Hornets are a bit of a wasteland at the moment. And, and Terry was pretty bad overall last year with nine points, 2.9 assists on 38.7% shooting from the floor in 79 games. However, in his 14 starts last season, he was much better, averaging 13.1 points, 5.2 rebounds, 5.0 assists, 1.7 steals, and 2.3 threes on 42.9% shooting. Uh, to me, if you can stomach a field goal percentage that may be a bit scary at times, I think I think Rogier is a great value after the first big wave of point guards comes off the board. What do you say, Steve? Uh, I think you need to go back to the year prior and look at look at Rogier's numbers because that's when he really sort of caught everybody's attention, and it looked like he was going to take off from there. And then last year was just. I thought last year was just a disappointing kind of dud. Now, I mean, he's the guy in Charlotte. There's nobody there. I wrote up that team in the uh, player outlook profiles for the draft guide. And man, it's, it is really sad what's happening in Charlotte. It makes me feel good to be a Hawks fan uh, because like Charlotte and Cleveland just, they just don't have anything to build on. They are putting, Michael Jordan is putting a lot of faith in Terry Rozier. I kind of like Terry Rozier. Rozier's one of those guys this year in drafts that I'm not really going to target, but I have a feeling when he's sitting there, I'm going to take him, you know, fifth or sixth round. I'm probably going to take him more than I'd like to. I just think he's got to do um, the lion's share of the work in Charlotte. There's just nobody there helping. Yeah, terrifying for field goal percentage, as I said, but the numbers you referenced as a starter the year before in 2017-18 as a starter in 16 games, he averaged nearly 16 points, six and a half rebounds, five assists with nearly three threes per game. He did shoot 38% as a starter that season. So that to me is the only real concern. I think he's going to you know, have all the responsibility he can handle and his counting stats should be really good. Um, number four on the list is Gary Harris, obviously a very well-known name in fantasy and in real life. So it's not like people are going to forget about him, but he is coming off a flat-out miserable year. Didn't even post top 150 value in nine category leagues with basically everything going wrong in terms of injury that could have gone wrong. But Steve, this is like a reminder, I guess, that Gary Harris was a top 35 player the previous season, top 60 the year before that. So there's a very clear path for him to, you know, return to top 50 value if he's healthy. So he won't be free in drafts, but I will absolutely take a swing on him in the middle rounds. Will you do the same? I, I feel like he's due for a bounce back year. Yeah. And and there's not a lot of competition for him at, at shooting guard. I mean, Malik Beasley is there, but... I feel like if Harris can stay healthy, a huge comeback is coming. So he's the guy I am probably targeting uh, this fall. 
Number five on the list, TJ Warren, who to me was a very sneaky and savvy acquisition by the Pacers. He's coming off a season that saw him finish 44th in nine category leagues. The numbers, 18 points per game, four rebounds, 1.2 steals, 0.7 blocks, and 1.83 is with good percentages and low turnovers. Warren is a guy who I think historically we've just thought of as a scorer, but he has turned into a good good three-point shooter. He gets defensive stats. And meanwhile, Bojan Bogdanovic and his 18 points per game have departed for Utah. So I think Warren steps right into that role with you know pretty good production across the board. And again, is a guy who just doesn't have a ton of buzz around him as he moves to Indiana. Uh, Matt, can you name some of the other small forwards uh, for the Indiana Pacers? I was just, this is really bad. I was just looking at this a second ago. Um, Wait, now I feel like cheating. Am I allowed to cheat? Yeah. Well, I think you have to cheat. I don't think there's any way around it. Oh, right. Well, Jeremy Lamb is there. I don't know whether you can, you know, he's a shooting guard on our depth chart. Doug McDermott, Justin Holliday, et cetera. That was cheating. That was me cheating. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty brutal. You've got Doug McDermott, like you said, Holiday. You've got maybe, um, well, no, that's that's it, man. That's it. So I think T.J. Warren is in a position to really go off for the Pacers. I think, like you said, that's an underrated acquisition. I think Victor Oladipo is coming back healthy this year. They've still got Miles Turner. Uh, I think things are looking up for the Pacers. I think TJ Warren is going to be a big part of it. I'm I'm going to be targeting him for sure. Five more names to go. Number six on our list is Jonas Valanciunas. When you think of Memphis, the first two names that come to mind are John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. <laughs> Rightfully so. Those two are going to be super exciting in fantasy leagues and will require a pretty early draft pick to get. But I think we overlook Valanciunas a little bit at our own peril. After the trade to Memphis, he averaged 19.9 points, 10.7 boards, 2.2 assists, and 1.6 blocks. He now has a a new three-year deal with the Grizzlies. And I think the aspect of this where he's flying under the radar is that he has a little more upside than people probably think. Those numbers I just cited, you know, represent that upside. And we're so used to him being kind of a low-end boring guy in Toronto. Steve, do you agree that we're more likely to see something closer to the down the stretch JV this year again? I I don't really know what to think about JV. I do know that (laughs) Miles Plumlee is his main competition. I like that. I also like the fact that he's in Memphis and Jaron Jackson Jr. is super exciting, but John Morant is a rookie. We don't know what he's going to do. Their shooting guard collection is kind of a mess as is their small forward. So I think there's pretty good chance that JV is going to have a, have a good season. And, you know, he's a true NBA center. You know, he's going to put up true NBA number, NBA center numbers. uh, And he's going to hit the occasional three. I kind of like JV. And by the way, it feels like he's been around forever, but he's still only 27 years old. So it's not like we're talking about, you know, an old guy who is going to definitely be shut down or something down the stretch. Like, I, I just think he is, again, not a guy who's off people's radars, but is a little bit undervalued uh, based on the numbers he could put up. That's surprising, Matt. He's two years younger than uh, our man Andrew Luck. Uh, yes, he is. Okay. Yes, he is. All right. You have a Colts connection, don't you? Uh, you, you, you you're kinda. An, an indie guy. Kind of. Yeah. 
All right. Way to bring the mood down, Steve. Uh, <laughs> Lonzo Ball is number seventh on our list. Uh, I put him on the list because he is coming off a lost season due to injury. I also think there are probably a bunch of people out there who kind of have Lonzo Ball fatigue syndrome. Like, it feels like people are kind of over it, Steve, which I do understand how people have gotten there. But I also think it's a little bit crazy because Ball is still just 21 years old. And let's remember, as a rookie, he was a borderline top 75 guy, averaging around 10.7 boards, 7 assists, 1.7 steals, 0.8 blocks, and 1.73s. He did have bad percentages, but, I mean, there's a realistic blueprint for Alonzo to kind of become a light version of Jason Kidd. And I think that New Orleans is a great landing spot. Are you in or out on Lonzo this season with all that in mind? I like Lonzo. His his new tattoo is amazing. Uh but there's a there are a lot of guards in New Orleans, man. Drew Holiday, Frank Jackson, Lonzo, JJ Redick, Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander Walker. The the rookie is going to be pretty good. I I just feel like there are a lot of mouths to feed there, and Lonzo's one of those guys where it's hard for me half the time to tell if he's helping my fantasy team or hurting hurting it. He's one of those players that's just. I, I feel like his name is bigger than his game. I'm probably going to let somebody else draft him. Sounds like you you have Lonzo Ball fatigue syndrome as I well. I do. I, <laughs> I absolutely do. All right. But I do think you make a fair counterpoint there about the depth at you know point guard and shooting guard. That's a valid point. I don't know if you even mentioned Josh Hart, who's around as well. But again, I think once we're past the middle rounds, there's some some really interesting upside with Lonzo at the very least. Number eight on our list, and I'm just going to put a disclaimer on this one before I get into it, because this is Danilo Gallinari. I know it's a little bit absurd to put a top 30 guy from last season on a list of kind of undervalued or under the radar players, but hear me out. I think the reason I put him here is that, you know, after seeing Gallinari stay mostly healthy last year, 68 games played, I think there are plenty of fantasy owners out there who are basically saying to themselves, well, there's no way he can stay healthy this year. And so for me, if that fear is enough to knock him down a few rounds, I will seriously consider him. We did a mock draft in July where he went in the late 50s, and that's probably about the right spot to take him. I think there are some leagues where you might see him fall even further than that. Am I out of my mind here, Steve, in any way? What's your what's your outlook on Gallinari? I think he should be on, on your list because he's always hurt. He has that stigma, especially from us at Roto World. We're like, oh, Gallinari's always hurt. Look out. When's Gallinari going to get hurt? That's sort of that's sort of how we roll. <laughs> and and you know the last couple of years, I don't really know about the year before last, but last year he's really good. And now he's got a new home, man. He's in Oklahoma City. Things are not looking great there. There are, are a lot of shaky players at a lot of positions on that team, and he is sort of like a. a stake in the ground in the middle of that thing like if he stays healthy he should light it up in OKC like I I'm kind of all in on on Gallo this year I like him and I will say about Oklahoma City I also think there's a chance they're you know a, a little more functional than you know we think at least in ter- or, or than people are expecting at least in terms of numbers and and you know fantasy value I mean we don't know what's gonna happen with Chris Paul but you got him Shea Gildress Alexander Gallinari Stephen Adams like that's a decent enough core to where, you know, you can see that being a, a pretty functional, at least fantasy lineup. I'm kind of fired up about SGA this year as well. Oh, I think a lot of people are. He's yeah. He is not under the radar based on the mock drafts I've done this summer. Yeah. Uh, he is going early. Uh, number nine on the list, uh, Kelly Oubre. And these last two guys are guys I'm really excited about. 
people know about them, but I think they should be going higher in drafts than they have been this summer. So that's why they're on the list. Ubre went 75th in that same mock draft that I just mentioned. I mean, this guy was just phenomenal down the stretch for Phoenix last season. Over the final 30 games he played, he averaged 19 points, 5.6 rebounds, 1.7 steals, 1.0 blocks, and 1.83s. That gave him top 40 value in nine category leagues for that stretch, Steve. Why is Gallinari going in the in the 70s in drafts this summer? You mean Ubre or Gallinari? I of course, yeah, I'm still thinking about Gallinari. Why is Ubre going in the 70s? <laughs> you know, Ubre also had the deal. With, I, I feel like uh, Phoenix had like seven really good small forwards last year. And, like all these dudes playing the same position, and now TJ Warren's gone. I can't even remember who the other one was, but now you got Ubre there, and and Ubre is primed for a big year in Phoenix. Like everything you said about him, I like it. He's one of those guys where his name is not huge. You should be able to get a value. Uh, slot on him I I feel like he's he's a a great value pick this year all right the last name on our list for today is Marvin Bagley he went 81st in that mock draft I've been talking about again it's not like people aren't aware of Bagley but I think I mean 80 81 anything around there is just phenomenal value for a guy who over his last 35 games last year averaged 16.7 points, 8.7 rebounds, 0.6 steals, 0.9 blocks, and 0.6 threes. If you shrink that sample to his last 15 games, the numbers are closer to 18 points, 9 rebounds a game with nearly a block and a three-pointer. Bagley is 20 years old, and I I don't think, Steve, we're talking about enough about what insane upside he has for this upcoming season. I mean, John Collins, for, for reference... We saw him go from 10 points, around 10 points and seven boards as a rookie, to nearly 20 and 10 last year. Bagley as a rookie posted nearly 15 points and eight rebounds. I mean, couldn't he just make a, an enormous leap in this second year? Absolutely. And, and if you remember last year, Nemanja Bielitsa was starting, was balling out the first half of the year. Was you know I, I owned Bielitsa in several leagues. He was really kind of buzz killing what Bagley was trying to do, but I don't. I don't really think that's going to happen this year. I I feel like this is the year uh, they put Bagley in there, let him play, turn him loose. I feel like he's going to kind of go off. So, yeah, I I think if he's sitting there in the fifth round, I'm, I'm going to take him. I agree. He's a guy that I'm going to target, you know, a couple rounds earlier than I think I need to, at least a round or two earlier, because I just think when you think of guys, th- that's one thing I I think about a lot these days is targeting those guys who – have a chance to make that leap. Um, young players, you know, in their in their second or third year who could just take off. And we saw Collins' numbers take a huge leap. I think Bagley could do the same thing, as I said. All right, that's our list of 10 for today. There are plenty more names we could add to this list, and we can certainly continue this conversation on future episodes as the season gets closer. In the meantime, if you would be so kind, please take a second to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Rate and review the show as well, if you would. That is it for us. Thank you for listening, Steve. Thank you for joining me. We will talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, man. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.